Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. I want to thank Pastor Mike for the opportunity to speak this morning. I just marvel at God's goodness in allowing me to be here and serving on staff with Pastor Mike and the rest of the staff here. Trinity Wesleyan is very, very blessed. I also want to thank the Missions Committee and uh, Linda. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of Missions Conference this weekend. Enjoyed a wonderful time at the brunch yesterday and um, just very excited to be here. I got to spend some time with Carl and Maya and their family yesterday. And I also want to extend a special word of thanks to one other individual who has been a very pivotal um, link in the chain that God has put together in the course of my life. 28 years ago, this fall, I walked through the doors of Trinity Wesleyan Church for the first time. I was a freshman at what was then CWC. It wasn't SWU at the time. And I didn't know anyone at any of the local churches and was looking for the church that the Lord might have me be a part of during my four years at college. And I visited several churches, and I just kept sensing the Lord calling me back to Trinity. And it was because of one particular individual who took the time to call me, who took the time to come and visit me on campus at Southern Wesleyan. And I see how the Lord has used that person then and over the course of the last 28 years um, and continues to use him to where I'm standing here today. And I just want to say a very special word of thanks to Reverend Wiggins. Thank you very much. And before I go any further, I also want to say I've been warned about past missions conferences, and so I've got my belt on extra tight this morning. <laughs> you see on the front of your bulletin that our theme this year for missions conference is praying, giving, going, and serving with eyes wide open. I could preach a sermon on each one of those things as a theme in and of themselves, but my dad, who is also a pastor, told me statistically that people only remember 14 words from every sermon that is spoken. So... The theme is nine words in itself, so I'm going to try to keep it really simple. My wife Amy and I have done mission work in numerous places around the world. We've worked in Canada, in the Mississauga area, in Ukraine, um, in Kiev, in Chernobyl, and down in Crimea. We've worked in Africa. Um, my wife has gone to Nairobi and Homa Bay, and also in Haiti, um, in Jacmel and um, Grand Guave. We've also had the opportunity to do mission work in several places around the United States. And as you saw in the video, we are currently serving as the directors at the Potter's Place Ministry right here in Central South Carolina, and we're serving there as missionaries. We, the, the, the ministry there is a nonprofit ministry, 501c3, so we raise all of our own support, and there's no charge for any of the ministries there. Um, you didn't see in the video, but we have a pastor's guest house. Um, we only have one right now. We're in the, in the process of adding more and, and building more because there's such a demand for pastors and or their spouses and missionaries and or their spouses to come and spend time being renewed, spend time recharging their batteries. We see a lot of woundedness and brokenness and hurt and um, marriages that are in shambles and people come there to experience the respite and renewal of the Lord. And so we just have the one guest house right now, and people can come and stay for up to two weeks there, but we need more space. We have an average of seven to 10 new calls every single week, and people wanting to come and spend time there. And we hate having to tell people, can you wait a couple months or referring them somewhere else? We really want to be able to minister to them. So Amy and I have been involved in the ministry there since 2012. Um, we were on staff at another church in the Clemson Central area for 20 years. And while serving on staff there, we were serving also at the Potter's Place as volunteers, helping lead Bible studies, um, helping um, with prayer, pastoral counseling, missionary counseling. 
and also serving on the board. And over the course of the last couple years, the board had been praying about someone who might come alongside Don and Shannon, the founders, to help with the day-to-day operations of the ministry. And I've told Don and Shannon, every time we prayed that prayer together as a board, I felt some stirring inside of me. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what it was, but I just felt this stirring. And then last year in 2016, the Lord began to do a work in Amy's and my heart where he led us to the conclusion and the understanding that he had something new for us. And we didn't know what that was. And so as the year went on, we sought godly counsel. We prayed about it. We shared this with some close personal friends and asked them for their wisdom. And it became very clear in December that God wanted us to resign from the church where we had been for two decades and step out into the land that he would call us to. Like Abraham, who who was called to go into a land that I will show you, we felt God calling us, but we didn't know where at the time. And to be honest with you, it was a bit of a scary proposition. Um, Leaving the land, the people that we had known for so long was not an easy thing for us to contemplate. But over the course of the 23 years of our marriage, we have come to understand that we can't lean on our own understanding. We have to lean into the heart of Jesus. And we know that he is completely trustworthy. So in January, I resigned my position at the church, not knowing where we were going, and had two sons college age, one of them enrolled at Clemson and the other one, I'm not sure where he was going. And we had people say, you're crazy. (laughs) Um, Do you know what season of life you're in? (laughs) Um, But we knew that the Lord had called us to step out. And so we took that step. And we had a sweet and affirming conversation with Don and Shannon and told them that we sensed that the Lord was leading us somewhere new. And we knew that the board had been praying for a couple of years about who might come alongside them. And we wanted them to pray with us about that possibility. And they felt a very sweet sense of affirmation as we met. And we actually all cried and um, they said, we would love for you to come here and begin serving. So our last Sunday at the church we were at was February the 5th. And on February the 6th, that morning at eight o'clock, I was on site at the Potter's Place beginning to be immersed in the ministry there. Fell in love with what God is doing there on a regular basis. And in April, the board voted to affirm Amy and I as the new directors there. The Potter's Place serves churches, parachurch organizations, campus ministries, pastors and missionaries, literally from all over the world. Um, Mary Beth Bagley, who was working with the children this morning, um, her parents, I got to meet them through the ministry there. Um, We have had so many people come from different places around the world. It's just a privilege right here in little central South Carolina to see how this ministry is having a global impact. Just out of curiosity, how many people here have been to the Potter's Place? That's a wonderful number. That's that's fantastic. We encourage you to return anytime that you can. And for those of you who haven't been able to visit yet, we would love for you to come and see us. If you turn on Clayton Street, if you go on 93 where the big uh, Southern Western University sign is, turn on that street, that's Clayton Street, just stay on it until it turns to gravel. You'll drive into the Potter's Place parking lot. We have some brochures on a table in the foyer um, that you can get afterwards also if you would like to have some more information about it. What God does there on a daily basis is absolutely remarkable. Broken and wounded hearts that receive rest and healing there. Marriages that are restored and prioritized as couples, including pastors and missionary husbands and wives, who come to spend time with the Father. 
I was actually texting just yesterday with a, a lady who came in February, a ministry wife who came in February and spent time there and shared with us that her marriage was very near being over. And she was desperate for the Lord to do a miraculous work. And she asked Amy and I and Don and Shannon to commit to praying with her for one year for her marriage. And so, and she said, it was actually February the 22nd, which would make one year. So in my phone, I put a reminder every day to pray at 222, the date for February the 22nd. And I messaged her yesterday to check in with her when my alarm went off. And she said, God has just been doing miraculous, wonderful things. Their marriage is being dramatically healed. And she said, God continues to move mountains and we praise him. And we thank him for the partnership and the intercession that the Potter's Place has been and just for his spirit's work in their lives. This is one of many, many stories that I could share with you. One of the things we see over and over at the Potter's Place is the reality that the work of the Lord requires the vision of the Lord. And where he gives vision he gives provision. If we are to be a people who give and serve and go in the name of Jesus, we must be a people who see with the eyes of Jesus, who pray dependently on Jesus. If you would look with me at Psalm 119, we're going to look at one verse there for a moment. We'll look at some other verses in just a few minutes, but one, Psalm 119, verse 18. It says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I believe this verse is a beautiful combination of both vision and prayer. The verse itself is a prayer, a plea from David who wrote it, that God would open his eyes and help him see. I believe there are three things that we can take away from this verse that we can apply to be a people who will go and give and serve with eyes wide open. I think the first thing that this verse teaches us is that there are wonderful beautiful things in the word of God. We just sang a few moments ago the words amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That story, that truth is throughout the word of God. His incredible grace. John 3, 16, we could all quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We cannot forget the beauty of that. Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. We celebrate that today. The many, many beautiful feet that God sends on the mountains and through the valleys and the plains and the marshes in different places to take his good news. When we truly begin to appreciate the beauty and the glory of the word of God, it changes us from the inside out. When we encounter Jesus, the living word, we are transformed to see like never before. As we observe people coming to the potter's place, we watch them go into a prayer cabin. And many times we see them go in with downcast faces. And we see them walking in there with their Bible. And they go in and spend sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours, sometimes the entire day in there. And we watch them come out with a changed countenance. We refer to that as the Moses glow. Like when Moses was spending the time with God up on Mount Sinai. And his countenance was changed. We see this happen at the potter's place as people go into these cabins and spend time with the Lord. That is the experience that we should be having on a regular basis. Jesus prayed and went and served and loved with his eyes wide open for us. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I believe that the path to transformation, to going, serving, and giving, is to behold the glory of God with eyes wide open and to realize that beholding Him is becoming. Beholding is becoming. When we behold the glory of God, it transforms us. I want to give you an example of this from the life of a friend of mine named Jeff. Some of you may know Jeff Watson. I first met Jeff on a men's retreat, but didn't really get to connect with him very much on the retreat. But then when I began serving at the potter's place, I learned that he was um, also volunteering there and that he was in charge of our Tuesday morning um, tea time. So I began to get to know Jeff, and he shared some of his life story with me, and he shared this particular story several times. Before he became a believer, before he gave his heart to Jesus, he served as a volunteer with the Peace Corps in Korea. And he was sent there to work with people who were um, living at a leprosy colony. And he went one day and was assigned to this remote village in the southernmost coastal part of this particular area that he was serving in. And he hiked through the jungle to get to this very neglected colony there. And he had his medical bag with him, his bandages, and um, he was going there to see how he could best serve these people who felt forgotten. He got there in the village and set up this table and set up his medical supplies and just kind of invited those who were in this village to come and see him and to be treated. And it took a little while, but people began to emerge from makeshift huts and some of them hobbling, some of them crawling, some of them being carried by others to get into this line for Jeff to be able to medically minister to their physical needs. Well, as they kept coming, the line grew so long that Jeff began to realize he wouldn't have enough supplies to minister to all these people. And he felt himself beginning to get a bit emotional. And so he went into what he describes as health professional mode. And he began to purposefully put emotional distance between him and the physical needs of the people. And as the line kept growing and his medical supplies kept diminishing, he realized he wasn't going to be able to keep his emotional barrier in place. And just as it was almost completely gone, he saw a group of people bring a friend in a wheelbarrow into the line. And people actually stepped aside so that the person in the wheelbarrow could come up toward the front of the line. And at this point, Jeff was sobbing uncontrollably. And he turned to his medical bag to try to conceal his tears as they brought this man forward. And he thought to himself, now remember, he was not a believer at this time. He thought, what hope can there possibly be for this man? Where he used to have hands were now just nubs. Where he used to have feet and toes were just stubs. And he was also blind. His eyes were completely dried up and he had no sight. And my friend Jeff was thinking, what hope can there possibly be for this man? And then he felt a tap on his arm. And he turned to see this gentleman in the wheelbarrow reaching out to tap him because he heard him crying. And he sensed his discomfort. And then he said in Korean, Yesu nim adayo. 
And Jeff, understanding the language, turned back from his bag and looked the man in the face, absolutely awestruck, because what the man who was blind and had no hands and what Jeff perceived as disease-ravaged and incomplete and hopeless had just asked Jeff, do you know Jesus? Jeff, being physically whole, had not spiritually seen yet. But this gentleman in the wheelbarrow, being physically diseased, had spiritually seen. And he reached out to this man, my friend Jeff, and asked if he knew Jesus. And my friend Jeff's reply was, I do not, but seeing how much you love him and how much he means to you makes me realize I need to get to know him. And so Jeff did end up giving his heart to the Lord. As he beheld the glory of God in this very unexpected, unlikely messenger, he beheld God's glory and he gave his heart to the Lord and he went on to serve the Lord in the mission field for the next 40 years of his life. Transformation comes by seeing and beholding the glory of God. I think the second thing this verse teaches us is that we cannot see the wonderful things in God's word without the supernatural work of God in our lives. David in this verse says, open my eyes that I may see. He realizes that if God doesn't open his eyes, he will not be able to see those things. It's the same with you and I. God must do the supernatural work of opening our eyes. The glory of God cannot be seen by the natural man. It always gets misconstrued and twisted. It isn't acknowledged as beautiful and winsome and awe-inspiring. To see the glory of God requires the supernatural intervention of God to enable us to see his glory all around us. And it's always all around us. This is why David says, open my eyes. The truth is that we are blind without God. My friend Jeff was spiritually blind, but the man in the wheelbarrow whose eyes were physically dried up had 20-20 spiritual vision. Verse 11, just above this in the same psalm, says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might, might not sin against you. The Bible, the truth of God, is spread all over God's word. And if we treasure in our heart, we will, we will be more sensitive to God's voice and his plan for our lives. We'll be more attuned to the Holy Spirit's calling and guiding and directing. If we hide and treasure his word in our heart, then we will be aware of the people around us and their need for Jesus like never before. The key to praying and giving and going and serving with eyes wide open is treasuring God's word, treasuring and beholding the glory of God. I loved it when little Samuel Smith came up to me a couple of week, Wednesdays ago on a Wana night. He was getting out of his car in the parking lot and he came up to me and said, I know my Bible verse tonight. Can I say it to you? And he was just smiling from ear to ear. And I said, yes, Samuel, I'd love to hear your verse. And so he began to quote Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I loved seeing the joy in this little boy's heart of learning God's word. We need to have that same joy. We need to not outgrow our love and our appreciation for beholding the glory of God's word. If we cannot see the supernatural, if we cannot see without the supernatural intervention of God at work within us, then it would make sense 
that we should ask God for eyes to see. Isn't it encouraging that King David had to pray this prayer? I find that encouraging. Because if King David had to pray it, it reminds me I certainly need to pray it. Open my eyes that I may see the wonders of your glory because I don't usually look for them like I should. Don Shop told me shortly after I started serving at the Potter's Place that he and Shannon wake up each morning and ask each other, how is God going to surprise us today? That's the way that they start each day with anticipation and dependence on God to give them eyes to see. I think that's beautiful. By nature, I am a dead man and a blind man. That is my sinful nature. The word of God is like the sun shining full brilliance in the face of a blind man. But the fact that the blind man is blind, staring at the sun, does not diminish the glory of the sun. What's got to happen to take away darkness is not that the sun change, but that our eyes change, that our eyes be open. And we have to pray for that. We must know that by nature we are blind and that we need God to make us see. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses two through four, it says, Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all of his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. Moses said to them, you have seen with your own eyes. You saw the sea split. You saw the manna come down. You saw the 10 plagues. Yet, Moses says in verse four, to this day, the Lord has not given you eyes to see. What does that mean? It means that their hearts were hardened. The Israelites grumbled and grumbled in the wilderness because they didn't have eyes to see. All over the Bible, there is this truth that by nature, we are dead in our sins. We are hard-hearted against the Lord. And this should lead us to repentance. This should lead us to God and asking him to soften our hearts and open our eyes. If the word of God is crucial to helping us overcome our bent towards selfishness and helping us give and go and serve with hearts that desire to see and reflect the glory of God, and if by nature we can't do any of those things without the work of the Holy Spirit, then we are desperate people for God. And that's why we come to him in prayer. We turn to God because we know we cannot live the way we are supposed to live without him. We turn to God because like Peter said in John 6, 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We must never forget that we are desperate people and that the world around us is desperate for the Lord. We need Jesus. Those around us need Jesus. The intensity of our prayers, the intensity of our service and giving and missions should be continuously fueled by the reality that every single person on planet Earth is in desperate need of Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would never become spiritually indifferent to this truth in our own lives and for the sake of the lives of those around us. May we throw ourselves into God's word every day, begging him to open our eyes and to show us Christ, to reveal his glory to us 
and to reveal his glory to others through us. I want to share a story with you um, about an experience that my wife Amy had when she went to Kenya a few years ago to serve um, in Nairobi and also in Homa Bay. She went with a group of four ladies and they served in Nairobi for a little while and they took a trip down to Homa Bay. And while they were in Homa Bay, they went to a, a hospital there. And each of them was assigned to a different place in the hospital to go and minister to those who were in need. And Amy was assigned to the men's ward. Yeah. (laughs) And so she went into this room, this very large room with lots of men in there. And as she went in, the sights and the sounds overwhelmed her. The smells overwhelmed her. And she stood there and she knew that they didn't understand English and she had an interpreter and her interpreter said, you may go around to the beds in the room and you may say whatever you'd like to the men and I will interpret for you. She saw their physical needs, but she did not know where each of them was spiritually. And she stood there before she went around to the beds and she prayed, Lord, give me eyes to see what each of these people need to hear from you. And she began to go to bed after bed and shared the gospel and shared her love for Jesus with each of these men. As the interpreter spoke behind her, she would talk, the interpreter would speak. There would be some response for some of the guys. Amy had no idea what they were saying. And it took her a while to make her way around the room. And each time she stopped and would share about Jesus, there would be some kind of response, different responses, some facial, some verbal. And as she got to the end of the time and she was crying and um, there were interactions between her and the interpreter and she was trying to figure out what was going on as she got to the end of the room and came around to exit. One of the people who worked at the hospital who saw and heard everything that happened and understood what had been said came up to her and said, you may not know this, but as you went around this room, 30 of the men asked Jesus into their heart. 30 of them. She had asked the Lord as she started for eyes to see them, to be able to represent him to them and to reflect his glory to them and praise his name. 30 of them in that room that day gave their hearts to the Lord. Before before the team left, the night before they left, we got word that there had been a terrible carnage in Kenya and a group of believers, a group of Christians had been taken out of a place that they were gathering and 80 of them were killed. This was the night before they left. And we gathered in a home in Liberty, getting ready to send this team to Africa and prayed over them. We even at one point asked, Lord, do you still want them to go? Knowing this very tumultuous situation that they're going over there into. And we felt very clearly that God had said they need to go. I felt God saying to me, trust me with my daughter, your wife. And after she walked out of that hospital ward over there in Homa Bay, the first thing she said when she got in the car to one of her fellow uh, mission partners was this, this moment, these 30 men was the reason we knew we still needed to come. Jesus wanted us to be here to be able to share with these men. She said, I'm so glad we came. If we really want to be a people who give and go and serve, we must be a people who daily pray for God to open our eyes more to him. 
Lee Millspaw, left to himself, would spend his time and his energies and his resources serving his own desires and cultivating his own ego. And maybe I would appear like I'm doing something eternally worthwhile, but it would all be empty and eternally insignificant. But the good news is, God didn't leave Lee Millspaw to himself. And he doesn't leave you to yourself. He is the sovereign God who sent Jesus Christ to the cross for us. He opens the eyes of the blind and he heals the sick and he changes hardened hearts. And he empowers us to give and go and serve as we pray to him to open our eyes wider. As we prepare to have our closing song, I want to ask you to bow your heads and let me pray a simple prayer as an expression of our desperation for God and our desire to be the people that he's called us to be. Jesus, we ask that you would open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your word, the wonderful beauty of your glory. We are desperate for you. Where else can we go, Lord? You alone have the words of eternal life. We invite you to supernaturally work in each of us. We ask you to break the hard and stony ground of our hearts. Help us to receive. Help us desire to see with your eyes and give with your hands and go as your feet and love with your heart. Jesus, we pray, show us more of you. It's in your name that we ask. Amen.